Okay, well, good morning. And before we get started on jumping into the sermon, this is an announcement because we already did announcements. And thank you, Cassie. Thank you. Uh, this is this is just a couple of things that I I want to make note of. Um, if you got the note page uh, on the back, I printed something that I'm trying to put in different places around the sanctuary, just so you all uh, know what is being put around. So I'm trying to get different ways to get information out to you all. And so this is one way that I found that we can do that. Uh, so special events that um, need to be noted, I'll try to have that every month so we know what's coming up. And then also regularly scheduled things. So if you're looking for a Bible study and you're like, ah, I just don't know what time, come and talk to me. Because we do have regularly scheduled things that happen, and like the conics, having kids go out. First and third weeks are the, the younger kids, and then the older kids go out on the second and fourth. And fifth Sundays, we're all in here together. And it's going to be awesome. We're going to have potlucks on those days too. Uh, so there's, there's a couple of things. And then also, along with that, uh, we're trying something new. Okay, Spotify. It's an app. Uh, it, you can listen to different podcasts. You can listen to different sermons. Um, but Heber is trying to help me. So just so you know, uh, Heber, MBF Church Heber, is like the umbrella that we fit underneath. And so they're actually, they're putting out um, their sermons every week, and they're going to start putting out my sermons as well. So uh, if you miss it, or if you're on the road and you're like, I kind of heard what Carl was saying but let's hear how Shane had to put it because Shane's been doing this for a minute. And he has, like, we, we talk about what we're going to say, but also he says it differently. And so it's not like it's really that much different. But if you want to listen to Shane, then awesome. Go on to Spotify. There's a little QR code you can go on to. Facebook, we always try to put it on Facebook as well. So, you know, you can always befriend me on Facebook or uh, MBF Church Gateway. So there's a couple of ways you can connect with us if you were looking for ways to connect with us. If technology is not your thing, that's okay. It's all right. We're here on Sunday, every, 10, every Sunday, 1030. Next Sunday, I'm not here though. Pastor Shane's going to come and he's going to um, preach here next Sunday and I'll be in Heber, which is a little nerve wracking for me because I get to do two services for a for them, and that's exciting, but I'm a little bit nervous because I'm barely getting used to being in front of you all, let alone a whole new group of people. So, excellent. That's, yeah, I just wanted to make sure that you all understood that. That's what's happening. So, if you see somebody up here, you, know, you don't have to worry. It's, it's Pastor Shane. He's, he's awesome. So, he'll be here for next week. <clears throat> all right, cool. Um, all right, before we start, let's, let's go ahead and pray, and then we're going to start in the sermon. Heavenly Father, thank you so much. Thank you for the wonderful community that we live in. Thank you that we have so many people that we get to spend time with, to encourage, to be challenged by. And I pray that you would help our focus to be ever on you. Help us to know that even when we go through the hard times uh, where we're suffering, times where we're angry, times where we just, we need a base, help, help us to know that we have you as our comforter, as our all in all. We thank you so much for 
uh, continue to be with the first responders, those who are serving in the military. We pray that you would continue to be with them, be with our family that's not necessarily here in town with us, maybe off at college. Continue to guide and protect them and keep them safe. And Lord God, for those who are suffering through an illness, I pray that if it's in your will that you would just bring a miracle and, and heal them. Um, and if, if not, then I pray that you would comfort them as they go through it. And we just pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. My question today that I just want to start with is, does everything, are all the things that happen to God's people, are they all good? You know, Romans 8.23 says that, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Does that mean that what happens to us are all good things? Or are there many things that we struggle through that are not good? We've been looking at Nehemiah. And last week, we started into like Nehemiah. He'd been given a vision. It was awesome. God's working through him. He goes and he's, they're rebuilding a wall. It's awesome. And then last week, like everyone and their dog came out to mock him, right? We dealt with the first play in the devil's playbook, which is outside mockery, casting doubt and fear, right? There's, there's a threat of harm upon your life. Do we sometimes expect that though? Like, when, we, when we're living out our faith, do we sometimes expect, or should we expect, that the outside world is not going to understand who we are? Are they going to look at us and say, oh, I mean, these guys, just so you know, some things that have been said about people who believe in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. What, you're going to go look at the, the fairy, you know, paternal spirit in the sky? Is that, you know this made-up figure of your imagination and believe in a book that has no bearing, obviously it's, you know, just used to control your minds, your feeble mind. No. So a lot of people are going to mock you. A lot of people are going to attack you verbally. And, um, you know, Sambalat and Tobiah, they're all about it. They're like, oh, yeah, let's, let's make fun of them every day. This is great. Even if a fox got up on that, it would fall down. I mean, so we understand foxes are pretty small. So that was, that was the first thing. We, we need to expect that we're going to be challenged sometimes. Nehemiah 5 is what we're going to look at today. And it's, I would call it the second play in the devil's playbook. Okay. And Nehemiah 5 is a little bit different. Just so you know, it's kind of like whack-a-mole. Do you guys ever play whack-a-mole? It's like the, the little things pop up and you have the little foam thing you love. Okay, I'm not seeing many people jiving with that. Okay, that's all right, yeah. So, okay, Nehemiah, which is a historical text, is different than most historical texts because most historical things follow like a chronological order. So they go in time. They're like, oh, okay, we start with this, then this happens, then this happens. And in Nehemiah, Nehemiah 5, most people agree, like, boop, it's just out of nowhere. It doesn't follow the chronology. Like verse 14 says something about how uh, it's been 12 years since Nehemiah has been like 
a leader there. So most people look at it and go, oh, well, that's weird. That doesn't fit in the chronology of this. And I think the reason that it's there, one, one idea that it could be, possibly, is that you know, this is one more discouragement for Nehemiah and the people. Okay? So we can expect to have attacks from the outside. Today, we look at internal attacks. Not inside, that's next week, um, but like within the body of believers, right? The people that have been called to bind together, the ones that we have as family, the ones that we should continue to be able to look at and say, all right, we're family. We don't need to be attacking or burdening, putting a burden on. So I was going to make up a word there. Putting a burden on each other. And, and here, in Nehemiah, that's exactly what was happening, was uh, we had people having leadership over others, and they were, they were misusing it drastically. So let's start with history, okay? So the, the devil likes to divide and conquer, right? Uh, I, I, there's a saying, like, a house divided against itself will fall, right? Um, here, obviously, if the devil, you know, was to write down his thoughts, if I can take the leaders and help them to like lean into their own self-righteousness, something that like, yes, I deserve this, their pride. If I can take them and then they'll, they'll feel like they deserve these things because they're in leadership. So they deserve this, right? Not only do they deserve it, but you know, they're owed it. Thus. I will take them from following God's law and being good leaders, and I will take them in their pride, and then they will be focused on something other than God's law to, fo to follow. And, you know, I get this happy byproduct of everyone that's underneath them now has a burden on them, and maybe we can even sow some bitterness in there so that their hearts might turn away from God as well. Again. That's if the devil was to write down his thoughts. It's not obviously what God wants. And so, the history. Nehemiah 5, which, again, Old Testament, close to the center of the Bible, if you want to find Ezra or Esther, um, it's right in between those. Okay? Or table of contents, you can find it. Nehemiah 5, 1 through 3. Now the men and their wives, everyone, everyone, raised a great outcry against their fellow Jews. They were saying, oh, we and our sons and daughters are numerous. In order to eat and stay alive, we must, we must get grain. We must have food. Others were saying, man, we are mortgaging our fields, our vineyards, our homes just to get enough grain during this famine. Everything costs too much and we don't have enough as it is. We need to eat. In the U.S., Maybe we feel that way with eggs, but I don't know unless you, unless you travel to other cultures and really see it. Yes, we have poverty here. We have need here. And, and I pray that we can, as the church, go and meet that need. Other countries, when, when you see poverty, you see poverty a totally different way. You see people who are living in metal shacks with no plumbing and they're going to work 
to get enough money for the taxi fare to get to and from work with maybe a little bit extra to get a little bit of bread. Here, they're suffering. They don't have enough food to feed their families. How do we know that? Because not only are they mortgaging their land that was promised to them, but we're going to see in verses 4 and 5, they have to do some drastic things. Still others were saying that we have to borrow money to pay the king's tax on our fields and our vineyards. Although we are of the same flesh and blood as our fellow Jews, the people who are in charge, okay? Um, and through our children, uh, as good as theirs, aren't they? You know, and yet we have to subject our sons and daughters to slavery. Some of our daughters have already been enslaved, but we are powerless because our fields and vineyards now belong to others. So we have all this going on. The history is they are in great need. So really, what went wrong here? They're, they're suffering as a people, but it's not from an outside source. It's not from someone else. It's from the Jewish leaders who have been told through God's law how they should act. Now, where would they have been told this? Well, in Leviticus, which first five books of the Bible, okay? Leviticus is the third. So as you're going in, Leviticus 25, Moses is recording, this is, this is a good way to live, right? If any of your fellow Israelites become poor and unable to support themselves among you, help them, help them as you would a foreigner or a stranger so that they continue to live among you. Now let's pause there for a moment. First of all, that means that we're all called to be loving to the foreigner or stranger, the, pe the person who's not a part of the body of Christ yet. We're called to serve them, bring them in, feed them, sit with them, be with them. And then here, they're also saying, but also if anyone is, that's in the body of believers, okay, if anyone who is, in this case, Jewish or Israelite, becomes poor, take them in, help them, right? God wants all people to be cared for, right? That's, his design is not for suffering. His design was not for bad things to happen. His design was for comfort and love in a way that would have been sustained. Now, we, we are sustained through him, but if this sort of thing happens, they're called to then help each other out. So what more does Leviticus have to say? Now, let's, the next verse deals with financially, and this, this is where in Nehemiah, the people who are in charge were exacting an interest on their brothers and sisters that was exorbitant. It was, it was a lot, right? So it'd be like if you went to go pay your taxes, instead of, we'll go with 30%. Instead of 30% taxes, they're like 80% taxes. You know, I, I sometimes joke about the dad tax on the kids' candy, and they don't like paying one piece of candy. Kids, imagine if you owed your parents everything but two pieces of candy. Parents are like, yeah, that sounds good. Um, kids, you're like, no, I went out and got that candy, right? That would be tough, yeah? So same thing. It would be tough to, to have to pay a tax that you couldn't afford. So here, they say, don't, do not take an interest or any profit from the Israelites, but fear your God. I love all the way through Leviticus, he keeps coming back to fear your God. Why? Because our focus should always be on God. 
so that you may, uh, they may continue to live among you. Meaning, you don't need to worry about getting money from them because God is going to take care of you. Okay? So you must not lend them money at an interest or sell them food at a profit. So like, as you're making food, you shouldn't be like, oh, well, I know that I'm the only one that makes really good focaccia bread. I'm sorry. If you want my focaccia bread, it's going to cost you a lot more, right? So uh, you guys, I'm sorry. Focaccia bread jumped in my brain and I was like, yes, that sounds good right now. Uh, but like, you know, you're not, <clears throat> you're not to charge them with, uh, you know, for a huge profit over the food that you make, right? Um, and verse 38, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt to give you the land of Canaan uh, to be your God. So you're not, he, he is saying, I'm your God. Like, you're all mine. You're all serving me. Don't forget that all of this was given to you. I went, uh, I went ahead of you. I promised you this land. I'm giving you the food to eat. I'm helping you to have uh, anything that you have. And so the fact that the Israelites who were in Nehemiah's time were taking interest and making profit off their own people would have been detestable to God. God would have been like, no, that's not okay. And that's what we're going to find out here in a moment. But next one also, you know, um, if any of your uh, Israelites become poor, sell themselves to you, do not make them work as slaves. Okay, they're, they're not to be enslaved. They are to be treated as hired workers or temporary residents among you. And they are only to work to the year of Jubilee. So like every seven years or so, uh, you would let them go back to their families. It's a different time, so I understand that. Like, but they weren't supposed to be treated as slaves because we're all supposed to be servants to God. Okay, so all of this was happening, not good. And, and last but not least, because the Israelites are my servants, not, not your servants, they're my servants, whom I brought out of Egypt, they must not be sold as slaves. And what? Do not rule over them ruthlessly, but fear your God. As we fear God, it keeps our focus on his provision and helps us to have this attitude of thankfulness to what we've already been given. It's very similar to a conversation I might have had with my kids recently, where like if you're always looking to compare with other things, or if you're looking to like after we do something fun, you're like, oh man, but it wasn't as good as that, or it wasn't as good as this, then you're taking your eyes off of what has been given. And God, in this case, has given everything. Okay. So that's what went wrong. Yeah? Good. So um, as, we, as we see all of this that was wrong, the leaders were taking advantage of the people. They're adding undue burdens on them. Uh, God is supposed to be who we focus on, who we trust, who we live for, because he's given us everything. Now, Jesus in the New Testament, he takes it one step further, right? He says, not only that, okay, he says in Luke 6, 27 through 31. You who are listening, I say, love your enemies. Do good to all those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to them the other also. It, if someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks of you. 
And if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. And this is the verse that all the kids are learning this month. Okay, do to others as you would have them do to you. Well, that seems pretty tough. Yeah, yeah, this is not easy. This is not something that is easily, like sometimes as, like, as a Christian, he's saying, we're like, oh yeah, turn the other cheek, forgive them, it's easy. Just for, it's not always going to be easy. There are things in our life that go wrong, and this was what I started with, right? We talked about some things that go wrong are evil. Those things that have been put in your life, like the people who are suffering under uh, some of the leader's rule in Nehemiah's time, that wasn't supposed to happen. Those burdens weren't supposed to be there. They weren't supposed to be under these things. So, well, then I'm supposed to bless those who curse, you know, like all that makes it harder, right? Yes, we are supposed to keep our eyes on God, even if those bad things happen, because we might not be responsible for the evil that happened to us, but we are responsible for the actions that we take from there on out. So leaders, and this could be anyone from a father to a boss to teachers, whatever it might be, we can't add burdens to the people that are around us as those burdens oftentimes will lead to bitterness from the people that are serving. People who are serving, workers, kids, whatever it might be. If, if you are under something that's tough, do not take on that bitterness or anger or rage. We're supposed to get rid of that. We're supposed to love our enemies, even, even if they're not our enemies. We're supposed to love because that's what God called us to. Our actions are what we're responsible for. So, okay. The burdens on people for food, water. And I, I, I chose this photo because I was just like, you know, to me, this would be a situation where I would be pretty bitter. I would have a hard time not releasing this, right? Where I'm trying to take care of my kids and I'm leave, living without much. And we're, we're basically homeless because we got a tent, right? Um, the people were uh, lacking food, water, shelter, and safety because, I mean, they're, they're trying to, they were having to sell their kids into slavery. And all of this, all these burdens, really truly goes back to the devil's playbook of misdirecting your attention from God to the burden that you have on your back. Now, again, not an easy thing to release the burden, but it is something that we are called to do is, is to let, let it go. So it's hard to, hard to build when we don't have enough to eat or our kids are being sold, and we have no money after uh, taxes, things like that. Also, bitterness, you know, whether we're a leader or not, it can creep in anytime we don't have our eyes on God. And, and when we're not being supported by those who are in charge, those who are leaders, that can add to our bitterness. Now, Nehemiah's response, we're going to come to in just a second, um, but I wanted to really quickly talk about marriage, because this is another part of our life that most of you are, have been affected by, right? Marriage is something in most of our lives. If you're a kid, you have parents who are married or, or not. And you have, as us, we, we have our own parents. Marriage, 
when we when we get married, we become one flesh. And oftentimes, if we're as we're going together, if we both have our own ideas about what should be happening, we can add burdens to the other person. Well, they should do this. Well, they they could have handled this better, right? And like a car, the more out of line we become, the more the, the car is not a safe place to be, right? If your car wheels are out of alignment, which that, that can cause some concern, right? So in our marriages, where should our eyes be all the way through? Whether we're working, you know, as we work together towards having a solid marriage, our eyes should always be to God and what God wants from that relationship. Because again, when we start comparing, that's when we stop looking to God for what he has provided through that marriage. Okay. So leaders shouldn't embitter people. Uh, marriages should work again towards uh, focusing on loving and respecting their own flesh and, and working together towards God. Um, workers, we're supposed to lay down our burden, take on Jesus. Why? Because he has a, an easy yoke, a burden that is light, and he helps us get rid of bitterness, right? Because that's where our hope is, is in him. So as we work through this, we need to allow God to keep our alignment so that we stay on the road, okay? All right, Nehemiah's response. This, is, this will be pretty quick because there's three things that Nehemiah does. And I think it's a good thing to look at because it helps us to see he, he has emotions just like all of us. There was something bad that happened. All the people were suffering. So one, we can expect sometimes that bad things in this world happen. It's a broken world, okay? Your life might have been shattered by one thing or another. Okay, well, how did Nehemiah respond? He was angry. He was angry. Sometimes we, we think, well, we can't ever be angry. I'm just supposed to love my neighbor. I'm supposed to forgive. That's correct. Yes, you are. But there are things that it's, anger is something that has been put in our lives because of the brokenness of this world. He was angry. He heard their outcry and he was, he was not okay. It's not, we don't have to look at sin and say, oh, it's okay. No, we can be upset with the action, but then our response needs to be more like what Nehemiah did. So he was angry. What did he do? And he went and just took out everyone, right? No, no, he didn't. He went and he said, what you're doing, it's not right. Right? You shouldn't walk, you should walk in fear of God to avoid the reproach of the Gentile enemies. Basically, he takes his anger and then he seats it in. This is what God's established. God has told you not to do this. Don't do it. Right? So as we're angry, as long as we're keeping our eyes on God, then go to God and be like, hey, I'm not okay with this. And God can handle it, but he'll also help you understand the next step. So the next step, as we correct those who are around us. Now, these are people that are in the body. So he is, he's going to be received differently than if we're going to people outside of the body of Christ. He went to the people that are inside the body of Christ and he said, this isn't okay. Fix it. And as they listened, I, I kind of expected them to go, eh, no, I kind of like getting money. It's, it's been working out pretty well. 
Instead, God had already been working on those people's hearts, and they're like, yeah, nope, you're right. That was wrong, okay? So um, for me, again, this will probably be like the last visual. For me as a, a father, I get angry sometimes. Usually it's out of safety. Like if my kids are doing something that will directly affect their, their livelihood, or if they're walking across the street and somebody doesn't stop at a stop sign, like instant boil. I, I go from zero to 60 really quick with that sort of thing. Um, or if they're doing something that causes me like anger, our response should not be in anger, right? But in correction. And so the correction. Kids need to be brought up in the understanding of what God's word says. As fathers, we need to take our anger and respond in love. So it's a little bit easier because we love our kids. And so even when they do something that's really, really upsetting, we don't want to throw a burden on them that they can't handle. You always do this. Words, right? And crudes too. They're like, words is weapons. Um, no. Okay. Crudes is a funny show. Okay. So these two dads are throwing words. At you. You're a bad dad. And like, they're using words as weapons. Words can be weapons and they can be used against our own family. Sometimes unintentionally as mothers and fathers, as we lead our kids, we're not to embitter them by adding burdens to their life. We're not to make them so discouraged that they just can't go on. They, they want to kick against you. As teenagers, they probably want to kick against you anyway because they're teenagers. Right? It's part of it, right? They're testing boundaries. But we're called, like Colossians says, to not embitter them and then also uh, allow them the opportunity to see that what you're doing is out of love. Okay. Um, not only Colossians, but uh, I think it's Ephesians. Six, four, fathers, don't exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. So that doesn't mean that we just say, okay, whatever you do, it's okay. Or I'm not going to really force uh, God on you. Okay, you don't have to force God on them. But God is, Jesus is either Lord of your family's life or he's not. Right? So as, as we are talking to our kids, it shouldn't be like, you will take this and you will like it. You should be like, no, God has worked in my life so much that my deepest desire is for you to be raised in the same thing. Because my life matters, your life matters so much to me that I want you to know what God can do. Because kids, they go through pain, they go through heartache, they go through all these things. And it's hard to turn to something if you don't see that it's real, especially in your parents' life. I know that when I look at my parents, as, as they provided a guide for me, they, they led in such a way that I knew who God was because God was living in them. God was working through them. Not just because I went to church. Because again, sometimes it's hard to sit and listen, right? Kids, you guys are, the adults are like, yep, you're still going. <laughs> so uh, Nehemiah's last thing, after he went through and he, and he was angry. He corrected them according to what has already been established by God, right? So we, we get corrected through God's word, not out of anger, 
we correct and you know we don't spare the rod we, we want to help kids understand no that's not okay we want us to understand hey this isn't our right there's a better way right there is a way that god has actually designed then the last part of Nehemiah is all about Nehemiah and all of the people that were under him. They led by example. They didn't just say, hey, that's wrong. They said, hey, that's wrong. And look at how we've been living. Not as a prideful thing, but I want you to understand that this is a reflection of what God has done. We didn't tax you. We were given money or food enough to feed us a feast. But that would have produced a hardship on everyone that was there. So instead, we invited people in. We were blessed with food because Artaxerxes was like, hey, you're under me. Here you go. Instead of just, you know, gobbling it up themselves, they're like, hey, you look like you're in need. Come on in. Come eat from the table. And that's, you know, whether it be food, our finances, our devotion, all of it. All of it needs to be done in reverence of God. It helps us to not burden other people. It helps us to keep a burden off of ourselves, to know that God can handle it and that through us, God can make a huge impact on all those around us. It's really hard when we get mocked from the outside, but it can be devastating when we start getting burdened by people inside the church. So that's why we have, to, we have to take time to know God's word. We have to take time to keep our eyes on God and, and then also correct each other. When, when we see something that's not quite right, like, hey, I noticed this, you know, maybe are you, are you struggling with something? Are you, are you hurting? Can I help you? And being there for one another because we're called to carry each other and, and help each other through these burdens, especially when we're all part of the same body. Because when one part of the body is hurting, the rest of us suffer as well. And if you try to carry it alone, you might think that you're keeping everyone else from suffering. But really, you're still causing the rest of us to suffer because now we're not able to use the gifts that God's given us to help you. And we don't know that there's a pain within the body. It's like an abscessed tooth. You might not know that there's something wrong there until there's something really wrong, right? And it could be really bad. And it's really bad infected. So continue to share with each other. We're, we're part of one body here. We're supposed to help each other. And, and God is greater than everything that's out there. And so that's why we want to make sure that our lives mirror what Christ's example was. And his example was to continue to love and be responsible for our actions and lead. And it's okay to be angry, but then correct within God's um, established way. <laughs> All right. So Nehemiah knew that God's call was on his life and it brought purpose to what he was leading. Following God's purpose in your life brings life and joy to your life can help spark us to want to serve even more. And as we serve, continue to serve in a manner that mirrors Christ's loving ways. As we love and correct and guide based on what God's already established. 
and lead others by reflecting God to all those around us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you again so much for your word. Um, I pray that as we struggle through different things, whether they're hurts from the outside or pain from within, that we would keep our eyes on you. I pray that this week, if there's something that comes up, that instead of turning to our own ways, our own anger and, and being bitter or hating or just trying to get back and take vengeance in our own hands, help us to look to you and what you would have us to do. I am so thankful for everyone that's here, Lord. I pray that it would be your word that changes their life and that they find their hope and security in you. And pray us all in Jesus' name. Amen.